and welcome to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. Each week, we'll be here to educate you, challenge you, encourage you along your journey with keto, low carb, and intermittent fasting. Check us out at fastinglane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at fastinglane. So Bridget, do you want to introduce our guest? Because I know as excited as I've been, you've been like super most excited about this guest. Yes, I would love to. Our celebrity guest this week is Dr. Ken Berry, a low-carb superstar. Dr. Berry is a family medicine physician who, after following traditional medicine and the standard American diet, was overweight and unhealthy. He now follows a ketogenic carnivore diet and is in addition to type 2 diabetes and obesity. Welcome, Dr. Berry. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Dr. We Berry, so we're so pumped. Uh, especially Bridget, because she's a bit of a fangirl for you. I, I just didn't tell her I was going to tell you that. And because, let, let, me, let me qualify that, because okay, Dr. Berry changed my mother's health. I appreciate that. I respect that. My mother was so hesitant to to fast, to not take prescription drugs, and found Dr. Berry and was convinced, and now ketogenic diet, just you know, took a statin and is not his because I'm grateful, Dr. Berry, for the advice you've had on another yeah. So thank you. That's that's my favorite thing in the world to hear is that I have helped in some small way to change someone's life for the better because that's why I do this. And uh, it's why I was a doctor all those years. But during the first three years of my practice, I was giving such ignorant advice. I wasn't really helping anyone. So now it, it really makes me it makes my heart happy to hear that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Dr. Berry, thank you so much for, for doing the show with us, especially when we know that you and your wife just welcomed a healthy little baby boy. I've seen the pictures. How's Beckett doing? Beckett is doing great. He is uh, drinking lots of breast milk and, and taking lots of poops and taking lots of naps. So he's doing everything he should be doing. He, he's living the dream, living the he's full living the dream. dream. I love it. Okay, so you are super active on social media. You're very opinionated, which is my favorite kind of person. Um, I've seen you and your family. You're all super adorable. And guys, if you want to check Dr. Barry out and you haven't seen him before, you can do that at Kim Barry MD. Um, he's on just about everything and he does great videos and great posts that are really straightforward. And I think for me, especially when I was starting out, I needed somebody to be like assertive and direct and tell me like what's really going on and simplify. And I find that's something that Dr. Barry does incredibly well. So Dr. Barry, let's start at the beginning. We got like 25 minutes, but I want to hear your story, how you arrived, sure. how you found success on a ketogenic diet. What was the light bulb moment for you? The light bulb moment for me was about a month after I had been following my own nutrition advice to the letter because I had started to gain weight and become pre-diabetic and, and was very inflamed, very miserable. So I followed my own advice. I stopped eating the standard American diet and I started eating lots of whole grains and lots of fruits and veg. And I avoid all saturated fat, including bacon. It still makes me sad to say that. Uh, and after, a, and then I jogged yeah, two or three times a week. And so after a month or two of that, I had actually gained more weight. And that was the epiphany for me that basically I looked in the mirror and I said, dude, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Cause I, you know, I could blame all my patients. I could accuse them of being non-compliant. I told you to eat more whole grains and to stop eating bacon, 
but I don't, I secretly doubt you did that. That's why you gained weight. But I lived with me. I was me. And so I knew that I had, I was following my own advice to the letter and I was continuing to get fatter and sicker. And that was the wake up moment for me that I needed to go back to the drawing board. I needed to go back and reassess everything that I thought I knew about human nutrition and uh, figure out what the truth was. Because at that point, I did not know the truth, obviously. Hmm. Wow. So I've been seeing a doctor for 20 years and I've brought some things to him and we've agreed and disagreed. But the thing that I love about him is that he's open to learning. And I've really never understood why a lot of people treat, and I'm sorry, doctors like gods, like they seem to me for the most place, intelligent people who went through a lot of education, who for the most part are trying to help people. And it's gotta be a really frustrating position to be in when people are coming to you, asking you questions about nutrition, when in, in the doctor's education, you're not really given a ton of information about nutrition. You're given information, right. I think, on how to make sick people better. So, I right. mean, that sounds like a frustrating position to be in to me. It's very frustrating. And you're right. Doctors who are trained in the, in the classical method are very good at helping you heal from acute injuries and from acute illnesses. We're pretty darn good at that. And, uh, but what we, what we were, and many of us still are terrible at is the day-to-day management of our, of our diet, of our nutrition, of our lifestyle. Uh, and, and, and so rather than manage your, your nutrition, most doctors would rather manage your illnesses, which doesn't really help you any that much in the long run. Uh, just because you started a new diabetes medication for me. And, and then reiterated, make sure you're eating plenty of whole grains and lots of fruits. That didn't really help me at all to be healthier, to be happier. And when I say happy, I actually mean that because more and more research is coming out showing that your diet is directly related to depression and anxiety and attention deficit and even autism. And I hope that's talked about more in the months to come. But yeah, I'm not, as a doctor, I haven't helped you be any healthier. I haven't helped you live longer. I haven't helped you have more fun with your family just by starting a new, the latest diabetic medication and telling you once again for the thousandth time, eat more whole grains and fruit and avoid saturated fat and probably avoid red meat because it probably causes cancer. I haven't helped you. And I can't imagine back in, you know, in 2003, 2005, it was frustrating, but I did not have the onslaught of low-carb, keto, carnivore patients that I think the, the average doctor does today who are saying, no, dude, what you're telling me did not work. I'm telling you, I did it. I did the ADA diet. I did the DASH diet. I did the flexitarian. I, I tried vegan. None of that worked. But now I have found a way of eating. That works. Why won't you listen to me? And and I tell people when when a doctor hears that from one patient, they just think that patient's a kook, right? But when they hear it from the tenth patient, they're like, "Man, this town is full of crazy people." <laughs> but when they hear it when they hear it from the hundredth patient, there at some point there's a number of patients where a doctor goes, "Okay, what the hell's going on here? I mean, have I missed something?" And that's the point where, where the doctor starts doing internet searches and start searching for terms like keto, low carb, carnivore, low carb, high fat. And then they go, wait a minute, this can't be right. 
is this right? Then they read a book or two, hopefully, if they still read books. And that's when basically Pandora's box is open, the truth is out. And that's when you then become a doctor like the doctor you're lucky to have, who's open to new ideas, who realizes that, hey, half the stuff I was taught in medical school was wrong. The problem was I just didn't know which half was wrong and which half was right. That's what practice is, is figuring out what you've been taught that was right, that you should continue doing, but also what, what you were taught that was just bullshit that you should stop doing and stop recommending to your patients. I love that. Absolutely. And Dr. Barry, that's a great segue. Your book, Lies My Doctor Told Me, touches on mainstream principles that are, in fact, based on bad science uh, and harmful to human health. So I'd love to talk about a few of those. Um, the first being just the, the sort of myth of calories. So the laws of thermodynamics don't apply to human physiology. Tell us why calories in, calories out does not work. Calories in and calories out is basically paying lip service to the first law of thermodynamics. And the first law of thermodynamics absolutely is a law. It absolutely applies to all closed systems. And that's the key word, closed systems. First of all, human beings don't want to lose weight. We all say that, but that's not really the truth. Uh, anybody listening, do you want to lose muscle mass? No. no, you don't want to lose muscle. Do you want to lose bone density? No, no, you don't want to lose that. What do you want to truly lose? What is it you want to lose? You want to lose fat. That you want, and so fat is stored energy. So to, for, for, to talk about fat loss, calories in, calories out doesn't help you at all because you cannot starve yourself for the rest of your life. And that's what all of the diets are, Weight Watchers, Biggest Loser, Jenny Craig, they are semi-starvation diets. They are calorie restriction. No mammal, including a human, can starve themselves for the rest of their life. And so, yeah, if I locked you in my barn and I fed you 500 calories a day of lettuce and water, you would definitely lose weight. You would lose fat, but you would also lose muscle mass. You would lose bone density. You would start to lose connective tissue. You would lose all that because the first law of thermodynamics does apply. But if what you're trying to do is lose fat, that's not a calorie issue. That's a hormone issue. And that's where the true strength and power of low-carb keto carnivore come in is when you stop eating all of the carbohydrates, your insulin level returns back to low normal, which is where it should be all the time. And that in turn helps all your other hormone levels start to at least move towards normal. Whether they get there or not, it's a different story. Each person is an individual, but it helps all of them move in the right direction. And when you get all of your hormone levers basically put set to the right position, your body starts to burn fat effortlessly while preserving your muscle, while preserving your bone density, or actually giving you more muscle in many cases when people eat fatty meat, keto, or carnivore, they actually notice that they just naturally put on a little bit of muscle without even trying. And that freaks a lot of people out. They Actually, your bone density will increase when you give your bones all the collagen and all the amino acids and all the fatty acids that your bones need. People think bones are made of calcium. That's not true at all. Your bones are a matrix of collagen to which your body attaches the calcium, but your bones are not made of calcium. Your bones are made of collagen, which is, is a, it made of amino acids, 
which comes from the fatty red meat that you should be eating every day. And so losing fat is a hormone issue. Losing weight is a calorie issue, yeah, but nobody wants to lose weight when you when you narrow when you put it when you back them in a corner and say, really, you just want to lose weight. You don't care what it is. You can lose liver tissue, brain tissue. Everybody's going to say, well, hell no, I don't want to lose liver tissue. I want to lose this fat on my ass. When you when, so when we narrow it down, oh, so you just want to lose fat only? Then it's a hormone issue, and that's where low carb keto carnivore come in. Got I it. love that you. I love that you phrased it that way. And um, I perhaps am not very mature because I just don't engage with calorie zealots anymore. I just cannot have the yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love the way that you phrased that as losing versus losing weight. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to truly lose weight. They don't mean that when they say that. They want to lose fat, and that's why. And and that's why I do engage with the the keto nuts, calorie in, calorie out nuts. I I do engage with them, and I say, well. Yeah, if, if I'm starving someone, they're going to lose all kinds of weight. There's no doubt about that. But is it what they're actually, is that their goal is to lose weight or is their goal to lose fat? And I think that that helps them to start. And they'll argue with me, of course. But then when the argument's over, I hope that they go away from that and they think, oh, I've never actually thought of it that way. Maybe trying to lose only fat, maybe that is a hormone issue. And I think a lot of them are starting to come around. That's Absolutely. Amazing. And I think the ketogenic diet gets a lot of flack because it's full of saturated fats, which we believe to be healthy essential um, acids to the human body. But the promotion would tell you differently. Um, your LDL is going to go up. Your LDL is an indicator of health. So if LDL isn't an indicator of health, what is? And what tests should we be asking for our doctor? Yeah, absolutely. And there, there are lab, lab tests that your doctor can check that don't really mean anything as far as your risk of heart attack and stroke, your risk of premature death. And those labs are things like your total cholesterol and your LDL cholesterol. Those things we, we were taught in medical school, and that's part of the half that was wrong, that if your total cholesterol is high, you are at definite increased risk of heart attack and stroke. And that's just not the case. When you actually look at all the research in its totality, it becomes very obvious that actually people with higher cholesterol tend to live longer, especially women with higher cholesterol, they tend to live longer than women with the lower total cholesterol levels. And Dave Feldman has got multiple good presentations on this where he actually got hold of the hard data from the NHANE study, which is a huge study. And he can actually pull out all the people and graph them. And the ones with the higher cholesterol live longer, the ones with the lowest cholesterols die quicker. And so total cholesterol is not a marker of health. It's not a marker of, of heart attack risk. It's not a marker of longevity. So then they, the question becomes, well, what should my doctor be checking? Your doctor should be checking all the markers of your insulin metabolism, all the markers of your glucose metabolism, all your hormone markers. He should be checking your thyroid thoroughly, your adrenal glands thoroughly. He or she should be checking all of your gender hormones and then also should be checking a full panel of markers that check for inflammation in your body. And let's, let me talk about inflammation for one second. Inflammation gets a bad rap. There are two different kinds of inflammation. There is acute inflammation and there is chronic inflammation, right? So acute inflammation is what happens when you twist your ankle. Your ankle swells up, it gets hot, it gets red, it's painful. And a lot of doctors uh, uh, mistakenly will try to fight that acute inflammation because it does hurt. There's no doubt about that. 
But that acute inflammation is actually the first stage in the healing process. That's how your ankle is going to heal, is by becoming inflamed and then all those inflammatory signals pulling in the cells and the, 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 the little uh, other things that the body needs to heal that part of your body. The inflammation that is a problem is chronic inflammation, chronic inflammation that's not serving a useful physiological purpose. And so a doctor should check all the markers looking for signs of chronic inflammation because that tells you you're still eating something in your diet that is inflaming your body and is leading to this chronic inflammation, which can shorten your life. So Dr. Barry, does that mean when I twist my ankle next time, I don't need to use ice on it because I really hate putting ice on it? Okay, exactly I'm going to tell my right. husband that. I, I actually, yeah, I actually have a YouTube video about that. Shush. Everything that a doctor would tell you to do, and the classic mnemonic is RICE, which is rest, ice, compression, yes. and elevation. All of those things, every single one of them actually slow your recovery time. I did not your know ankle, that. Ice, I yeah. hate icing something so yeah, yeah, much yeah. in my body. Ice, yeah. Yeah, ice, ice is by far the worst thing that you oh. can do to an acute injury. Now, does the ice help the pain? Yeah, but is so what is your goal? Is your goal to be pain-free or is your goal to have that ankle heal as quickly and as completely as possible so that you never have any more trouble out of that ankle? Because for well, me, it would Barry, be, I would choose B. I, I thought the ice, he, my husband is, you, I'll be honest, he's smarter than I am, okay? He just is. Sure. Okay. And so I'm very excited to be right about something. This is really thrilling for me because he had me, right. I twisted ankle and I put it in ice and I thought the ice hurt worse than when I twisted my ankle. So I'm very, some I have learned do. something amazing today. So Dr. Barry, important question. Where is your sexy accent from? Where are you from? <laughs> I was born and raised in middle Tennessee and uh, went to school, uh, to medical school in Memphis and then came back to practice in West middle Tennessee. So I'm a Tennessee boy. I'm often accused of being a Texan, but I'm not offended by that accusation, but I am in fact a Tennessean. And is that where you live now? Uh, it is. We live in okay. Nashville now. Yeah. Well, I live in Texas and I was really, and Bridget's from Texas and we were really, I'm, I'm feeling that accent. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about intermittent fasting. What are your feelings on intermittent fasting? Why is not eating sometimes good for you? Intermittent fasting is one of the most powerful tools for improving your health, for losing fat, for reducing inflammation that's out there. And it's also free. You don't need a prescription. There's no copay. There's no prior approval or prior authorization. You just do it. You just don't eat. And a lot, for a lot of people, including me, earlier in my medical career, I, I think back now, and there had never been a time in my entire life on this planet where I had went for more than four hours or eight hours without eating. It had never happened, not a single time. And yep. so I didn't even, first of all, I didn't even know what true hunger was. I had no idea. I'd never been truly hungry. Hungry. I ate out of boredom. I ate because it was time to eat. I ate because I, I might have had gas or I might have been thirsty, whatever. But I never, ever truly had that real physiological hunger. I think every human being should be familiar. You should know what true hunger feels like. And so fasting does so many things. We could talk about fasting for six hours, as you know. But just to sum it up, fat, there's nothing that lowers your, your insulin level back to low normal quicker than just not eating. There's nothing. Even keto, even carnivore doesn't re return your, your insulin levels to low normal as quick as fasting does. 
Well, I love that. And actually, I'm going to take you up on that because listening to you and the things you have to say, I would like to talk to you for six hours. Uh, I know <laughs> we only have a few more minutes a day, but will you do us the honor of coming back on uh, in January when everybody's focused on getting hot and healthy? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be back whenever you've got a spot for me because the reason I do this social media stuff and all these interviews is because there's so many people out there who are at the mercy of a, of a know-it-all yet know-nothing doctor. And so never is the American Diabetes Association going to issue a press release and say, hey, you know what? We were exactly wrong about what you should be eating as a diabetic. That's never going to happen. So it's my job and it's your job and it's the job of every person whose health has improved because they listen to me or you to share this. This has got to be shared mouth to mouth, person to person, podcast to podcast, because the big dogs are going to lose millions or even billions when everybody adopts intermittent fasting and low-carb keto carnivore. There are going to be fortunes lost, and so they are in no rush to talk about this. So if we're going to save our parents and save our grandparents and help prevent our children from being damaged by eating a slow-poison diet, we got to talk about this. So I'm happy to come back whenever you have well, listen, I feel the same way. I have, I was uh, 300 pounds. I've had three bariatric surgeries. I've been on every diet. I've done everything every doctor ever told me. Um, and I never felt not hungry until I did low carb and intermittent fasting. My insulin levels were never regulated for 24 years. And right. I was on six medications and um, the mental clarity I have now in my life and the lack of medications and getting sick less is incredible. Plus I'm adorable. So there's that. And that's right. also there's what that. really, really matters. And I agree. There's not a lot of people getting rich, uh, talking about fasting, right? Cause like right. you said, exactly. anybody can access it. Anybody can do this. People who don't have money could skip a couple of meals and buy better quality food when they wanted to feed their families. And it's just an incredibly important message not saying it's for everybody, but it's for people to consider. So Bridget was going to totally ask you agree. a few, yeah, Bridget was going to ask you a few more questions about your particular way of eating. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So Dr. Barry, how often and how long do you typically fast? So for the last almost 24 months now, I've been 99% carnivore. And I, I started the carnivore diet as I was just did a month long challenge on my Facebook page. And I said, hey, if you guys want to try this, you know, there's this crazy guy, Sean Baker, out there. And then there's this new guy, Paul Saladino, who Nisha calls Pauladino. I think that's freaking hilarious. <laughs> she calls him Pauladino, right? <laughs> but, but, and I said, let's just try this for a month. And at the end of that month, I was, I was already keto for years and, and felt great. I thought I felt great. But at the end of that carnivore month, little naggy things that were much better with keto but weren't gone were gone, like my reflux. E even on keto, what, what used to be daily severe reflux was now maybe once a week I'd have a little reflux on keto, but it, it was still, it was 80% better. Carnivore made it go completely away. Also, I lost five or six more pounds on that carnivore month. Whether that was infl inflammation or fat, I don't know. But the one thing I know it wasn't was muscle yeah. or bone density, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the end of that month, I thought, God, I feel so good. I think I'm going to do this for another month. And I didn't tell anybody. I just kept doing it. And so, so for the last 24 months, my daily food regimen has been to eat one or two carnivore meals a day, just depending on the family situation, what we're doing. And so sometimes I'll have a carnivore breakfast with Nisha if the family's here. But on the average day, if I'm just working, 
I'll, I'll wait. It's usually three or four or 5 PM. I'll get that true hunger that we fasted enough to now know, Oh, I'm truly hungry. Then I'll go and I'll have a couple of big fatty ribeyes and about a half pound of beef liver, all of which I fry in the skillet in beef, uh, not in beef tallow, but in uh, bacon grease. And I'll eat that until I am stuffed. And sometimes I eat it all. Sometimes I don't. And then when I'm done with that, if I'm still hungry, I'll go, I'll go cooking uh, some ground beef. I'll go eat some eggs, but I eat until I'm completely comfortably stuffed. And then I don't think about food for at least 20 to 22 hours. And so it's, it's probably 22 hours of intermittent fasting every day, unless there's some special family event. And then I'll eat as much fatty animal meat and products as I can hold in about a two hour window. And then that's it. And so what I tell people is I want you to fast for however many hours a day, but when you do eat, I want you to feast because that's what our ancestors did. That's what every animal in the wild does. They don't eat a fist sized portion of protein. They don't do that. They eat until they can't eat another bite. And I think we should mimic that. <clears throat> and I agree. you can't do that on the standard American diet or you will be too big to get through the door. Oh. But if you do that with a carnivore diet or a fatty meat keto diet, you're never going to gain weight doing that. You're only going to lose fat by doing that. And you may be making your bones stronger and you may be putting on some natural muscle, which may make the number on the scale not move as fast as you'd like for it to. But if you take your measurements, and that's a, that's a key thing for people in this, in this way of eating, take your measurements once a month because the scale may not move, but you may have lost two or three total inches from your body measurements. Yeah. Dr. Barry, I have a book coming out in April of next year uh, called Life in the Fasting Lane. And it's nice. uh, in partnership. My co-authors are Dr. Jason Fung and Megan Ramos. And we nice. talk about so many things that you just talked about. The whole feeling of for me, I was a fat person for so many decades that when I learned to fast, I really struggled to learn to feast. I really struggled to be like, it is okay to get filled up on the foods yes. that make me feel good. So everything yeah. you just explained <clears throat> is exactly what I believe. I just, I want to thank you again. Can you tell people once again, the name of your book, where they can find it and, and where you're speaking sometime soon? So the book is called Lies My Doctor Told Me, and it's available. You can buy the the paperback anywhere books are sold they either have it in stock or they'll order it and now there's actually an audible version which for people like me who are spoiled by audible books you can actually listen to lies my doctor told me while you drive or while you work uh or even during your doctor's appointment because what i'm saying on the audible book is probably more valuable to your health than what your doctor's saying <laughs> i'm just kidding about that last part don't do that i love that i love that i have a I have a YouTube channel. If you just go to YouTube and search for Dr. Barry Keto, you should find it. I have a Facebook page. If you just go to Facebook and search Dr. Barry Keto, you should find it. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on, and when I'm feeling particularly salty or snarky, you'll find me on Twitter, fighting with the vegans and fighting with the Kiko nuts. Uh, I'm also on Vero. I'm also on TikTok. I'm also on Gab because there are people out there on TikTok. It's nothing but teenagers. Yeah. But these teenagers are already becoming obese. They're already developing insulin resistance. They have terrible acne that they can't understand why they have such terrible acne. It's their diet. And so I'm even on TikTok making stupid videos trying to help teenagers understand, hey, stupid, it's your diet. Stop eating that stuff. 
I love it. Thank you so much. Well, look, we have fastinglane.com and we would love to repost your stuff, share any of your stuff, support you yeah, any way we can. We, we really believe in your message and we're so thrilled that you came on the show, Dr. Barry. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I'll see you again soon. All right, guys, thanks so much for being here on the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. You can get more tips on fasting, keto, and low carb at fastinglane.com. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Fasting Lane. Until next time, to your health and hotness.